I'm Ryan Flynn, the first F in the F2 podcast. And I'm Michael Flynn, the second F in the F2 podcast. And this is the F2 podcast. Shenanigan filled with your money back. And uh, today we're going to do what we do and talk about various topics like pop culture and uh, whatever's on our mind, really. But I think we're going to start with uh, time because we got cut a little short, I think. Yeah, well, first we're going to do we're going to introduce ourselves a little better and explain uh, where we're from. Yeah. I think we were we realized after the first go that we uh, didn't give a full introduction for those that don't really know us. So mm-hmm. uh, do you want to go first or should I? Oh, you're the eldest brother. You were here first. Okay. So you go first. Well, I'm Ryan Flynn. Uh, I'm from America, but I currently live in Japan, uh, working for a board of education in a small little town in Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, I like things like uh, comics, video games, uh, tabletop RPGs, uh, writing, reading, and yeah, just general nerdy stuff. But that's me in a nutshell. Okay, great. I'm Michael Tanner Flynn. I'm 21 years old and currently a student at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, I guess I should mention my age. I'm 23. Yeah. Uh, I already graduated from that same school. And we are both from Arkansas, the eastern part of the state. I'm not going to say exactly where, but those of you that know, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. One of my interests, my interests uh, vary generally. I'm interested in comic books, too. My favorite comic book is uh, X-Men, followed by Wolverine, solo stuff, and Spider-Man. And I'm a music music guy. guy. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a big music guy, and I'm a big history nerd, too. Uh, what's, what else is there to know about me? Um, a plethora yeah. of things. Yeah, there's a plethora of things. Uh, You're like you an ogre. Get... You have layers. Yeah, exactly. I have a... There's a lot... There's some controversial aspects to me, but we're not going to get into that here, because we're not about that. I mean, either. I have some, too, I'm sure, but, you know, this yeah. is more about stuff we're into. Yeah, but those that personally know me, you know what I'm talking about. Same with Ryan. Anyway, uh, oh, I should probably mention ahead of time that we have a guest of sorts tonight. Uh, this is, uh, I'd like to introduce myself. We actually have two. We have one that'll be a regular guest here, and that is Ignatius, or Iggy, my cat, and we'll ca- occasionally have a segment on here called Iggy Speaks. I can't wait to hear Iggy's wisdom. Oh, he has a ton of wisdom and a ton of wrath. High <laughs> wisdom school on this cat. All right. Uh, anyway, our other guest is my lovely girlfriend, Ruthie. Ruthie, come over here. Let's introduce yourself. Come on. It'll be fun. All right, say hi. Hey, we. Hey, Ryan. Hi. Say hello to the audience too. They're l- going to be listening. Oh, hello, everybody. All right, uh, Ruthie. Uh, 
since you're here, uh, well, I won't make you say too much. You just talk whenever you feel like it, if you feel like it, you know? Okay. Uh, but Ruthie is into a lot of the same stuff we are. Uh, she's a big uh, comic, book, comic book movie fan. Uh, and uh, Ruthie has a lot of other interesting aspects to her. She's a big Monty Python fan, for example. Who's not uh, at least a little bit of one, though? Yeah, uh, Ruthie, also, big Quentin Tarantino fan. Yes. All good things. All yeah. good things. Among other things. And recently, uh, I introduced her to Cowboy Bebop, and she was she's a big fan already. I mean, hard not to be a fan of that, too. Yeah. Still in my top, like, three anime of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's so great. Anyway, Ruthie, just, uh, if she feels, if she thinks it's necessary to bring anything in, she will. Or if I, if we feel like asking her opinion, we will, that sort of thing. But it's mainly going to just be me and Ryan and occasionally Iggy. All right. Well, why don't we uh, break into our first topic? Uh, really, uh, holdover from last go around. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, comic book movies. And Do you remember what we exactly we left off on? Uh, no, not exactly, but I know that we did uh, mainly uh, stuff from the two thousands. Since we you finished, know, yeah, the- we never moved into the Golden to that Age. era of you know the more collaborative aspect, the more focused and uh, connected thing that movies are going for, or at least that have been for a while comic movies is i think if we've since we've mainly been doing the 2000s marvel we should move into and we'll talk about dc another time but uh let's move into the mcu era and so let's start off where the mcu started off i guess iron man iron man 2008 yeah we watched that so many times so many times with our cousins and i was already a huge fan so i was extremely psyched when that came out and of course none of us had any idea where that was going to go what it would turn into yeah i mean whenever i saw the trailer i just remember how awesome i thought it was you know they had the iron man by black sabbath that would come on yes, that, that like clinched it yeah and like, yeah and we saw like a you know you hear the banging on the metal door whatever it was banging that yes she burst through and that yeah, the primitive suit he starts out with and uh, it was just awesome. It was amazing. It had the aesthetic all right, like, perfect. Yeah, it was just the coolest. I was so amazed by it, and as soon as I saw the trailer, I, we had to see it, and uh, our mom actually was excited for it. Um, she got really interested in it. Um, mom really encouraged us to be into the sort of thing, because she thought it was help us with our creativity, that sort of thing. Yeah, she's always supportive with that kind of thing yeah and in terms of iron man specifically we uh we would both were more familiar with them because of uh i mean some comics of course um but mainly that 90s iron man cartoon show that would come on now and then and um marvel ultimate alliance the first yes one. yes uh love that game yeah that was great but uh we'll but go my main exposure was uh our our main exposure was that show, which was pretty fantastic. 
You remember the theme song? Was like, ah, ah, yeah. Yeah, it was all heavy metal. Yeah, and uh, Tony Stark, Tony Stark with a mullet, like a uh, like making the armor with an anvil <laughs> and a hammer. Yeah. That was Though it was a uh, all the all the parts we're talking about right now are actually the second season, though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But the first season the first wasn't... One was a lot more vanilla, and he's you know he looks more like he did in the original Six. comic. Yeah, but the first one was. I mean, it was just it's good. Yeah, the first of series, yeah. the first season was lame. The second season, it just kind of fell off. But then they came back strong with the second one. Yeah, the second season was really good, but it didn't. They couldn't go anywhere with it because the ratings, not the ratings, the ratings were already too low. So I mean, yeah, and so they uh, shut it off because you know that's all that stuff. Generally, it kind of started off with X Men. I think the X Men cartoon. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, X-Men cartoon started off. We'll have to go into the animation uh, with comics at some point, too. But it'll be a separate episode, though. Yeah, sometime. Yeah. But, but we're drifting a little bit away from the from cinema right now. Yeah, well, Iron Man, uh, first Iron Man, what would you rate it? I mean, if I were, if it were 2008 or any period... You know, any year after that, it would be a 10 out of 10, like, from a younger me. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it in a few, like, a good few years now. Uh, me either, but from what I recollect, uh, for a superhero movie, it was a big game changer. And, yes. Uh, it was, like, before origin stories were getting, like, really, really old, you know? Yeah. It was before people were like getting really tired of seeing superhero origin stories on the screen. Uh-huh. Like it was getting closer to there, but uh, they managed to do. You know, Iron Man's was a little bit different than the rest. He didn't. Uh, you know, he wasn't born with it like the X Men. He uh, some accident didn't happen to him. Well, yeah, I well yeah no we can't say it was an accident. Uh, he. He had to uh, do get his superpowers to survive. Yeah. And also, he was a douchebag before we before he became a superhero. Yeah. You know, uh, when Stan Lee made the character, he actually challenged himself to take a character that no one would like and what? make uh, make you like him somehow. Yeah, um, you know, I should uh, bring up, uh, since Ruthie's here, I thought I should bring up her opinion. Sorry, uh, Ruthie, Iggy, my cat, just attacked my girlfriend. He does he does this thing where he, uh, this is just out of nowhere, but he really likes to jump people, especially Ruthie, because Ruthie gives him more of a reaction. He's a troll cat. Yeah, but Ruthie... Uh, Ruthie, come here. What, uh, tell us what you think about it, though. I mean, Iron Man is your favorite from the F- MCU, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, come a little closer so we can hear you in the mic. Yeah. Uh, did you see the first Iron Man? Yeah. Okay, uh, what would you think? Really? I love Iron Man. I can't help it. Yeah, it's great. Um, you and uh, I Brock? Huh? I said I do, too, but... Uh, 
I feel like I should watch the movie again just to like, you know, analyze it as a movie, not from just a huge fan of the character. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, anyway, though, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next. Sorry, what was next? Iron Man two. Uh, no, not immediately after. I don't think. Well, I can't remember what the next uh, MCU film was after that. Here. Was it Thor? Wikipedia can answer our questions. No, I'm pretty sure did Thor come after Captain America? I'm not. Thor was 2010. Captain America was like, yeah, Captain America was 2011, wasn't he? They they hinted. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I wanna... It might have been Iron Man 2. I know there was one in 2009. That might have been. That might have been Iron Man 2. It was either 2009 or 2010. Then again, actually, The Incredible Hulk came out in 2009, didn't it? Yeah, but I don't think that's part of the MCU, is it? It kind of was. Uh, I mean, Tony Stark shows up in the, you know, the post-credit stinger, or mid-credit stinger, I don't remember. Oh, I mean, I wonder why they took Edward Norton didn't reprise his role then. I mean, well, don't get me wrong. Mark Ruffalo did a great job, but you know, Edward Norton. Yeah, did a there's great a job whole too. discussion to have about that. I think, like, there's, uh, I mean, it can probably be chalked up to money things. Yeah. Uh, why don't we? You know, since it's technically part of it, why don't we talk, uh, give a little bit of time to the Incredible Hulk? Well, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, so I think it's become like halfway. Not entirely forgotten, but like halfway forgotten by a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was it was legitimately a good movie, but um, I don't know. It just doesn't connect. It doesn't have the whole feel of the, of the MCU. Really, it kind of feels like it's stuck in the. It, it it wasn't moving out of the previous era. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think I'd have to watch that again also to like just get into like any flaws I might see in it or uh... um just uh, just go ahead and keep saying go ahead and keep talking yeah I just uh yeah I'd have to give it another good look because from what I remember the main impression is uh, kind of just an okay. Yeah. Well, okay. My opinion. Uh, sorry about that. Anyway, but uh, let me think. I, I like I was saying. I think it was just kind of trapped in the previous era. Um. But anyway, the hmm. What is it to say about that? Else. Oh, it had a great uh, Stan Lee cameo. I remember really enjoying that. Yeah. Okay. I gotta give it that. Uh, top. Maybe top. I'll put it in the top ten. Stanley cameos for me. Yeah, uh, you know, just want let's let's go ahead and explain that for the people that haven't seen it. Um, the cameo. Yeah, let's go and explain it. So basically, after some kind of a chase scene with um, with Bruce Banner, his blood falls. Good. He's in Mexico. No, he's in Tijuana. Isn't he? Tijuana is in Mexico. Oh, wait. he's in Guatemala. Wait. Guatemala. Yeah, he's a. Uh, 
and he's he works at some sort of factory. Uh, but yeah, and somehow his blood—I don't remember how his blood gets into one of these little bottles. No. And it's, uh, what? It, it's uh, it was before the chase, and I remember he fixed some electrical thing, but it like cut his finger, and some of it fell down onto the conveyor belt, and he freaks out and goes down to clean it up and thinks he finds it and cleans it. But then uh, we see after he leaves, like there's a drop of it got into a bottle and then the bottle yeah. gets full sort of. And yeah. that's how they find him, actually. Yeah, Stanley takes a sip of it. He gets it out of his refrigerator, <laughs> takes a sip and says, whoa. <laughs> and then he drops whoa. it. Yeah, and uh, that's how they find him. That's what, So I always wonder, did, did Stanley's character there die? Did his character die? Yeah, like so. from drinking, you know, Hulk blood, basically. Did, like, does it just like give him, you know, like a super rush for that day? Or is he, or does it like kill him because it's radioactive? Um, we never find out. He said, they said, I don't know, they didn't hint if it was fatal or not. We can get, I'm going to guess it was hospitalized. I mean, hopefully that's all that happened. And then yeah. the character that you see, like it hints more and more that it may be the same dude every time, but then it's also not because he has different names at different points in the MCU. Yeah. But then like in Guardians 2, like with the with his cameo in that movie, I guess I shouldn't spoil for, I mean, it's been a while, but you know, some people might not have seen it. Mm-hmm. So I won't spoil the, the cameo for that one, but there's big implications with that one, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot um, with that. Anyway, um, what's ne- what was next? Uh, Iron Man 2? I'm pretty sure it was in 2010. Yeah, Iron Man 2, I, I honestly don't remember it very well. Um War Machine shows up, I remember that. Yeah, I remember the fight, like, at the end with War Machine against all the drones was really cool. But uh, it kind of wasn't as good as the first one. Most people no. don't like it very much. Yeah. Um, they made three Iron Man movies, didn't they? Yeah, and the third one, I think also, like, people have mixed feelings on it. I had mixed feelings when I first saw it. Yeah, because no, no, the man, not the Mandarin. Yeah, it was the Mandarin. The Mandarin wasn't in that one, was he? No. Well, he was, but it's kind of a twist. Yeah, he's not really the Mandarin, as we know yeah. in the comics. I guess, yeah. like, spoiler alert for those who don't know, but you should know by now. It's it's been years. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I felt really cheated by that. He's supposed to be the greatest villain in Iron Man's rogue gallery. Yeah. I feel but, like a lot of people felt that way. Yeah, but then they do the trailer thing. Have you seen that one trailer? No. Uh, they do, or not a trailer, it was some kind of a, I don't know, like a movie list teaser. 
where yeah. it hints at like greater implications that maybe he actually was the real like the Mandarin Mandarin. Like yeah. he actually was like a, a big villain, but he was but just he, hiding the whole time. Like hiding that fact. I'm not sure. I don't think they ever did anything with it. Yeah, uh, and they got Ben Kingsley too, and he's such an A-list actor. Yeah, that that was another thing. Though, I mean, the character that he does play, like, it's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. Though, like, he does it really well. So I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give him that. Yeah. But uh, huh? Moving out of like just Iron Man. Uh, we should compare. I think there's a. I mean, sure, other people have probably noted this, but there's a comparison to be made. Like just watching the change uh, in the tone of movies. Yeah. You know, um, from uh, the era that we were talking about last time, and then this one. Uh, it seems like they, of course. Uh, a unified style seems to have come into play whenever they're making each of these. Of course, they're recruiting different directors for every one, but yeah. uh, there's a they. You can tell they have a general feel that they want a certain level of uh, comedy. For instance, it seems like every every MCU movie has to have like a few wisecracks from the hero. Yeah. If not everyone. I think you know. Big, yeah, I think a big change was people lightening up. Yeah, people just really kind of got tired of the whole edgy thing that, you know, superhero movies seem to have in the 2000s at least inherited from Batman and Blade. Yeah, and uh, you know, Daredevil again, which is almost like a bummer to watch, like going coming back to it. Yeah, I mean, that movie just makes me feel cheap. I don't know, it just makes me feel cheap and used. You know, I mean, it's when you're going into a movie like The Crow, for instance, you kind of expect that you're going in to watch that. Yeah. By the way, Daredevil like kind of copied a thing from The Crow with the the flaming symbol that he does at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, thing, the difference is is that The Crow is a good movie. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a good movie, but and it's about that, you know. It's uh, it's, it's a aimed at that kind of, you know. Yeah, what you were saying it has a darker feel uh, on purpose, without pushing it, you know. Yeah. Daredevil came out in bright yellow and red spandex, and then moved on to. Br- bright red spandex i mean if you look if you and if you read uh the early daredevil comics he's not like some dull depressing guy he's pretty he's in a pretty good mood you know he seems kind of uh you know he makes a uh, little uh, remarks here that what's the word i'm looking for um quips that sort of thing yeah he started out they uh he wasn't like a ninja type dude at first. He was more like a just an acrobat when yeah. they first designed him, a blind acrobat type dude. And then yeah. 
Frank Miller got his hands on him. Mm-hmm. And Does sometime we'll talk about Frank Miller. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. Because I have yeah. so much to say about the man. But yeah. uh for sure, yeah. But oh, maybe uh for those not familiar with Frank Miller, Tanner, uh, do you think you could give a basic summary of him, like what he's done? Yeah, I could give a few. Uh, some notable works he did was um, he, he's done, not he did, uh, would be um, probably the most famous would be Sin City. Um, I would I would say that it's The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah, The Dark Knight Returns. Didn't he also do Long Halloween? No, that wasn't him. Who was that? You would you would very much notice if it was uh, Frank Miller. I think that was Jeff Loeb. I don't know. I feel like he, he didn't have anything to do with uh, Long Halloween, but uh, you can kind of see some of the style. Maybe there's like similarity in the style. Yeah. Well, anyway, he did. Uh, he also did uh, Ronin. I believe was the name of it, right? Ronin. Uh, what else? Uh, He's done a ton. Um, let me see. Can you look something up for me? Maybe. Uh, could you look up the... Mitchell Google, folks. Huh? I just said Mitchell Google, folks. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, I... I could be wrong, but I think he did some kind of work in the Wolverine miniseries in the early 80s. Um, I'm not sure, but just like, I'm just talking about the the highlights, the the famous things. He's done, you know, Dark Knight Returns, which, you know, kind of became a a trilogy right now. Uh Until he decides to, you know, if he's still doing it in another 20 years, he might do a fourth installment like you did, you know, with this last one. Okay. Uh, but then he's also had a long run on Daredevil. He uh, did Sin City, like you said, and various other uh, various other works similar to that. But he has a very particular style and feel. And he brought in all that, uh, all the ninja kind of aspects to Daredevil and made it grittier because he's okay uh, so after looking into it right right uh, I was right he did work on uh, the Wolverine series in 1982 uh, where he which makes sense because you know it's based in Japan and uh, Frank Miller loves Japan yeah, he has a big thing for it. Oh, you know, all the cool parts. All the, you know, samurai stuff. Yeah, it's kind of funny because he translates... I could be wrong, but I think he translates Gaijin in that series as white man, not uh, foreigner. Yeah, I mean, I think that was maybe a tonal choice, perhaps. Like yeah. an artistic kind of... Uh, choice made there but no not what it means yeah but uh but yeah that, which is um that early 
series, uh, 1982 Wolverine, is actually the basis for the, that movie. The the movie. Wolverine. Yeah. Although yeah. the comics are much better. Um, the comic version is much better. Um, anyway, though, uh, yeah, Frank Miller, uh, Sin City, that Wolverine, uh, what was the one he got in trouble for again? The, um, it was something to do with oh, terrorism. Wait, had to do with what? Terrorism. I guess I don't remember. There's plenty of things he's probably gotten in trouble for. Well, I mean, this one, yeah. Like, have you heard of All-Star Batman and Robin? Yeah. Uh, what was the problem with that again? Well, just a whole mess of things. Uh, a lot of it had to do with, you know, uh, just some really odd writing in it and uh, schedule problems. Like, they're repeatedly late in their mm-hmm. publishing for it. Uh, just, there was a whole host of it. And... There was, yeah, there was just some, you know, in, in the comic itself, some very odd choices in terms of writing. But the, yeah. you know, Jim Lee does the art, so it's pretty great in terms of art. Well, um, the one I'm talking about, this one is more politically controversial. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting the name right now, but. It was originally going to be a Batman comic, but DC didn't let him do it. It was um, in 2006 or so, so it's in the middle of the Iraq War, right? Are you sure it's not All-Star Batman and Robin? No, it wasn't. It was its own comic. It was going to be a Batman comic, but DC didn't wouldn't let him do it. So he made a uh, standalone with a unique character. Although the two characters in the beginning, they're, you can tell that they were you know, Batman and Catwoman. You know, originally they were going to be. Okay. Do they have like? Are they dressed all in black with pointy ears or something? No, no pointy ears, if I remember right. But dressed in black, it looks like Gotham, that kind of thing. Dark city, you know, seedy people. At night. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, but here's the opening, right? I'll I'll explain it. Uh, it's it's pretty head on from the beginning. Um. The Batman type guy, I'm forgetting the name of, meets up with the Catwoman type and they're talking. And then in another scene, there's a party in the apartment complex that they're standing on, right? Right. There's a young uh, Middle Eastern woman. uh, And she, uh, in Western attire, I'll just put it that way. And a guy starts to flirt with her and she... um, But tell me she like... Huh? Don't tell me she like blows the place up or something. That would be very, that'd be very, you know. She does. Really? Yeah, that's, and it gets worse, actually. Oh, my God. The bomb that she exposed, right? Right. Not only explodes, but it shoots out razor blades and barbed wire. What? Yes. This sounds like ECW. <laughs> type, <laughs> type stuff. Yeah, I know. But I feel, uh, like, I feel like Cactus Jack also should have popped out. Yeah, uh, and that's what starts it off is um, and this superhero that was going to be Batman decides to fight terrorists, basically Al Qaeda. Wow. You know, uh, he also did a RoboCop comic where he goes to the Middle East. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and shoots up terrorists there. Yeah, uh, Frank Miller is sort of a weird. Sorry, the guy who's a cop. Uh, siren going off right now. I might be able to hear it. But um, yeah, it's sort of a weird thing to go through. Um, it's it's not bad necessarily, but people were like, "Oh, this is Islamophobic." Uh, and Frank Miller made some really like controversial statements, saying things like. Uh, uh, Islam is the enemy of the West, uh, things like that. And Frank Miller, you know, has some uh, controversial opinions that he's yeah. he's a strongly opinionated guy. Yeah, uh, but um, as an artist, we're really going to focus on his artist thing. But I just had to mention the opening of the terrorist uh, comic. You know, yeah, because I mean, that's just but, bizarre. Yeah. Like I said, I would expect to see, I don't know, razor blades and barbed wire. Yeah, it was pretty bizarre. Uh, Of course, it kills everyone in the party and uh, injures the Batman and Catwoman types a little bit. Anyway, though, um, let's get back on topic for... Yeah, we we went into into Frank Miller because... Uh, we were on Daredevil, and I was talking about how he, you know, started the whole, you know, uh, changed his aesthetic kind of and his kind of mood of the comic. Yeah. Made it a lot grittier. And for a while, it was really great, you know. Uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of the energy can be seen in the Daredevil series on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, lots of things that you see in that originated in the Miller era. Yeah, uh, but let's. Um, I feel like we put a lot of time into the comic movies, but uh, let's move. Let's yeah. just move on. Let's. We're not. I'm not saying like uh, quit talking about it or anything, but you know, let's just uh, try to get more of a brisk pace through it. How about well, maybe we, uh, on the subject of all that, we can move on to uh, just the books themselves. We're think we're doing. You know, we're thinking about doing a segment for comic book recommendations now and then aren't we yeah you know we could just always uh talk about we can always talk about these movies another time i mean it's no big deal it's Uh, hard not it's hard for them to not come up now and then especially with you know how the box office uh how they how well they do with the box office and how often they come out these days yeah so uh comic book recommendations what is your comic book recommendation this week, Ryan? Yeah. Ryan's comic book recommendation of the week is recently I got into this uh, kind of this series maybe like a year or two ago and uh, I've read it sporadically but then I recently got some trade paperbacks of it. It is kind of an indie comic that started online and uh Sometime I'll have to go into how much I like uh, some of the web comics that have come out. Uh, become a fascinating, like, really innovative medium. But uh, my recommendation yeah. of the week is Kill Six Billion Demons. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's by Tom Parkinson Morgan. It yeah. started as a web comic. I mean, it's st- he still you know updates on there. But it's recently, uh, not too long ago, been made into trade paperbacks uh, through Image Comics, which 
I'm a big fan of Image Comics. Me too. I can't get enough of their stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is a really quirky, uh, layered, complex comic. It's, uh, I think the most, the first thing I need to talk about is the striking art. It's incredible and so detailed. Every page that's not uh, zoomed in on like a face or two is just layered and layered and filled with crazy details of uh, insane landscapes and creatures. Because, I mean, it's six, kill six billion demons. So there's a, she's in a world full of demons, the main character. Yeah. And angels and everything in between, which they're they're kind of are in betweens in this series. It's really it's really quirky. Uh, just to give like a basic no spoilers uh, summary of it. Uh, it's about a post grad named Allison Ruth. She's yeah. a sorority girl, and uh, she and her boyfriend are. Uh, she has a kind of a relationship thing with her boyfriend, but then suddenly he gets kidnapped by some crazy uh, demon king dude and taken to this uh, place, uh, well, by these crazy demon people, and taken to this place called Throne, yeah. and uh, the or the Red City, and Throne is like this uh, kind of hub of the multiverse like there's a whole multiverse of several worlds all of them connected uh, there's a deep uh complex mythology to it that it's i could never get into fully like i could never just it would take a whole podcast and a half to even scratch the surface but basically the whole time she, she's trying to save her boyfriend with the aid of this mysterious kind of a uh, celestial key type thing that's been implanted in her forehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, lots of crazy shenanigans and misadventures happen along the way. It's for nothing else. I mean, check it out for the crazy, uh, the crazy detailed and intricate, amazing art. Yeah. Oh, oh it's, sorry. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, sorry, if you, might, you guys might be hearing some uh, music. One of my neighbors is uh, passing by on a scooter and he always blasts music. I think I know exactly. Is that like, is that that one dude on campus? No, not him. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a different guy. I've never seen him before. But uh, okay. anyway, what were, you, what were you saying? Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, you know, it's got a great story. Uh, but even if you just want to look at some crazy, cool, uh, intricate art, pick it up for that. And you don't even have to buy it. It's, uh, you know, it's a web comic that's continually updated. Just look it up and you'll get to its page, uh, you know, its homepage. And it's ongoing as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation, uh, comic recommendation this week uh, and I won't always have one, but since I already mentioned it, I'm going to recommend the 1982 Wolverine miniseries because 
uh, if you're a fan of Wolverine, you'll like it. It's old school Wolverine, and it's not a long read. So if you just want, you're not looking to dedicate, you know, a week or a month to reading a series, just give this a read. Uh, you can probably finish it in a few hours, and it's uh, pretty good. It's it, it deals with his uh, adventures in Japan uh, for his lost love, Michiko, I believe. Was that her name? I don't remember. I never read the series, actually. It might have been Michiko. No, I think Michiko was Lady Deathstrike. That was Yuriko, wasn't it? Yuriko, yeah. Michiko. Michiko? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, It's some... Okay, it deals with his uh, long-lost Japanese love and him getting involved with uh, the Yakuza. And uh, it's classic. Um... I was actually talking to Ruthie about this recently. Um, one reason I like it is it's because before Wolverine's uh, healing power got too exaggerated, you know? So there's a lot uh, higher stakes whenever he's getting injured and weathered in fights and such. Yeah, like, uh, here's the power I like him. And to me, this is the bad ideal Wolverine. Uh, what, what's the technical term for his healing power again? I always forget. Healing factor. His healing factor, that's it. Because, um, you know, in t- I think it was the late 2000s, early 2010, uh, teens, uh, it was, there was a part whenever he survives an atomic explosion. Yeah, on uh, the Wolverine uh, movie. No, it's actually in a comic book. It's not even just that. It's worse than in the Wolverine movie because he's not. He's caught straight up in the blast or something. Yeah, he is, and it like it takes him down to his bones, and he still regenerates. Well, I mean, in like one of the Ultimate X Men comics, uh, he's beheaded, and his head still talks and stuff. Yeah. So uh, there's it kind of like with anything in comics, it depends on the writer. Yeah, but in the 1982 series, it's whenever they st- before they started going like stupid with it in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, he can survive gunshots and that sort of thing, but whenever he's seriously injured, uh, he'll survive and he'll heal, but if it's bad, he'll it'll take a day or two for him to recover, you know? Reasonable. And uh, that's just great. And it's more, I don't know, he, re- he relies more on his uh, stealth and his actual abilities than, you know, just running in head-on like Sabretooth or something. Like a berserker? Yeah. That he's become he, now? Yeah, because, you know, now he's like, oh, I can, I'll just heal in five seconds, so I'll just go in and take the brunt of the attack. Back then, he, he was, you know, resourceful, he was sneaky. He really was uh, the best at what he did, you know, as he always says. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that'd be my recommendation this week is the 1982 Wolverine miniseries by Frank Miller. I don't remember who did the art. Um, I don't think he did the art, actually, because. You'd know if he did the art. Yeah, because it's it's more of that um, 80s style of comics, you know, Um, you know what I'm talking about? 80s style. Yeah, the 80s I, mean, there, I know what you mean, kind of, but they there was still like some variation between. Uh, there was a lot of variation. Don't get me wrong, but it's like. But I think I know 
I think I know what you mean. Like it's still pretty, uh, still pretty crisp lines. Uh, uh, not quite, you know, three color anymore, but you know, still not too far off of it. Yeah, it was, uh, but it was, uh, it's good. And if you like that kind of stuff, which I am, I'm a big fan of that art style. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's really good. Okay. Anyway, uh, oh, let me tack yeah. on. Uh, first, I want to like. Uh, I just thought while you were describing like uh, Wolverine, like his you know earlier tactics, I wanted. Uh, I had a funny thought that it's almost like today his name should be the Honey Badger instead yeah. of the Wolverine because you know he doesn't give a bleep. He just. He's he's uh he just goes all in recklessly like a barbarian. Yeah, exactly. He's not it's not nearly he's not the same character practically. They really emphasize yeah. I mean before he had sort of an anger problem, you know. I mean he had anger problem, there's no denying it, but he didn't let it get in the way of his, what he had to do of his job, you know? He was a professional. Yeah, exactly. Uh but uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the next topic, D and D stuff. Uh, a little D and D discussion. Uh, Ryan, you're the D and D man, so uh, that's Dungeons and Dragons uh, for the layman uh, that don't for know. you, uninitiated. Yeah, so let's uh, go ahead and uh, talk about it, some, Ryan. Okay. Well, first, I mean. D&D will be the meat and potatoes of this part of the discussion, of course. But I think mm-hmm. I should touch on tabletop role-playing games, like a, a brief little intro to that. And uh, I think it's worth note, uh, worth discussing the rise in popularity of all of those, especially D&D, in the past few years. Yeah. Uh, but tabletop role-playing games, uh, unlike you know, video games or board games usually involve uh, some kind of dice. It involves a few people usually gathered around the table, but a lot of people do it online, uh, including myself with a few other people here in Japan. And uh, most people will take a character, will become, create a character that they play. And there's one player who will kind of run the story create the world, uh, run the rules, you know, make rulings on parts of the game. And it's really, uh, it's really become a lot more popular. Of course, some might debate this, uh, but the internet doesn't lie and neither does YouTube. Well, maybe it does, but <laughs> the amount of, RPG content that you see on podcasts, on YouTube channels, uh, even celebrities, like there's famous celebrities that are big RPG, uh, uh, tabletop RPG gamers. Vin Diesel, for example. I'm out, you know? I'm sorry? Vin Diesel, for example. Vin Diesel, Joe Manganiello for, you know, he's in various things, but some people might remember him like Magic Mike. Was that Spider-Man? Yeah, he was in the first Spider-Man. He was uh, he was Flash Thompson. Yeah, what a jerk. Yeah, well, I mean, 
in real life, he's a great guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the character, not the yeah. life. Yeah, of course. But uh, he's the big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Colbert is a, is a big fan that recently uh, got back into D&D. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Don't and, uh, it really had like a renaissance almost. Don't forget the creator, uh, one of the creators of uh, Rick and Morty. Dan, Dan Harmon. Harmon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of you, uh, he has a podcast uh, that he uh, sometimes plays D&D on. And for a while he on the Verve, I think it's a streaming platform. Verve or, or the OV. Yeah. It's a, it's a platform similar to Netflix. And uh, the, oh my gosh, I can't even remember the name. I'm blanking. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh, it's not Harmon Tom. Um, Harmon Quest. Harmon Quest. Yeah. Yeah. Harmon Quest. Uh, that became, that was pretty big. They actually play Pathfinder in that, but that's, you know, it's another tabletop RPG inspired by D. Well, I'm a big Pathfinder fan recently because I got into this uh, pretty big Pathfinder co- uh, podcast called uh, The Glass Cannon. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's pretty high quality stuff. I'll get into why I prefer D&D over Pathfinder in a bit. Yeah. But um, as for D&D itself, various people, it's hard not to have heard of Dungeons and Dragons in some shape or form by now. Whether it's just, you know, something you heard some nerds do, you know, or if you were around whenever the satanic panic happened in the 80s and everyone thought everyone playing D&D was worshipping the devil. So there was like a big purge almost. Yeah, those heavy metal uh, D&D, those heavy metal thrash and thrash and D&D players. No, man, they were all, like, the stereotype was that they were all probably either really skinny or semi-overweight with glasses and pocket protectors and played in their basement. Well, no, but that was, like, the thing, though. That was another thing that was conflated with sickness and was uh, heavy metal. Yeah, okay. But, uh, you know, that was a dark age for role-playing games. Yeah, there was a a big... It wasn't just that either. It's a lot of stuff uh, that people were freaking out about. They were afraid that there was something going on with children too. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, it was babysitters. Like they were afraid babysitters were going around. Uh, well, yeah, but you know, well, back on related topic. to the topic at hand, it's a uh, you know that was a big thing of its own accord. It wasn't like necessarily a a branch factor of some bigger thing. There was a lot of media attention on that. And they even made a movie that Tom Hanks was in. Yeah, about, I about that. Yeah, there was a, Tom Hanks was in a movie where he was, you know, some guy who played a Monsters and Mazes. That was the name, I think. He yeah. played Monsters and Mazes. And it was kind of, you know, in that camp of people who thought it was all a cult. So they kind of portrayed it that way a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, uh, kind of started tabletop RPGs. Uh, maybe we'll go into the history of it sometime. But 
what kind of started this renaissance and this kind of resurgence of popularity, and it's more popular now than it's ever been, I think, uh, was the release of the fifth edition of D&D in 2014. Yeah. And it's a much more streamlined and easy to learn version. And that's one reason I like it a lot more than Pathfinder. Because yeah. it's kind of a lot more rules light. Everyone, you know, there's problems with it. People have found by now. But it's still extremely uh, popular for new players. What's the, what's the problem with people find? Well, there's like various issues that have to do with rules. And I'd have to get into the crunch of it you know i'd have to have a whole tangential conversation about that yeah we'll get into a lot of you know uh in the no terms you know yeah yeah i got you we'll get into that too another we'll get into that another time but i got into the game like late 2017 yeah or maybe earlier than that what chris what which christmas was it that i like Got all the books. I forget what year. It was uh, 2016, 2017. Wasn't the last year. Yeah, it was maybe 2016 or 2017. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, being like a big fan of like fantasy and literature, and also who really enjoys writing stories, uh, I wanted to be a dungeon master for it. The yeah, that's the, that's the big positive thing about it to me is that it makes it, in my opinion, a little more positive than video games. And don't get me wrong, I like video games, but I feel like video games often encourage like a negative human interaction, you know? Yes. And D and D, it really encourages the positive one, you know? Yes, it's a collaborative storytelling process as much yeah. as it is a game. And it's fun. It's a uh, it's fun, and you can make some pretty good friends while uh, playing it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, someone that I like to watch on YouTube described it as the most fun you can have with your brain. And I think that's true. It's really uh, stimulating for your brain if you do it right. And it's a social game. You have to play with people. And I think one th another thing that's contributed to the popularity of D&D and tabletop role-playing games in recent years, as well as board games have seen a big resurgence in popularity because uh, all the people that have, you know, kind of sequestered a good portion of their lives in their devices and video games or social media, they're starting to miss that social interaction. People want that interaction with other people in person uh, doing something fun together where they can talk and hear each other and look at each other and maybe even touch each other in person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rather than through a screen or, you know, through text messages. You know, let's talk about uh, one, a little bit of the weirder side of it, though. There's a little topic I think we should touch on for a second. Of course, yeah. Uh, of course, we're not going to go too detailed because this is a... Uh, although I, I'm imagining we'll probably have older people listening. This is family-friendly, technically. Uh, let's talk yeah. about... 
the book of uh, what was it called? The book of erotic fantasy or something? Let's oh, let's. That's not related to D and D. Okay, <laughs> we don't just, have to talk just, about that. Let's just mention it for a second. I mean, it's just funny to me, you know. Of course, someone's going to make it because someone does something like that for any form of media. Yeah, uh, rule thirty-four. You know that. Yeah, rule thirty-four applies even to RPGs. If it exists, there's a uh, boom boom films of it. Yes, or boom boom pictures, or yeah. boom boom fiction. Yeah, the fan <laughs> I should say. Yeah, uh, but the uh, that too, I don't know. I, I, we don't, we're not going to go into that too much, but uh, it's just funny to mention. You just had to bring it up, didn't you? Well, it's funny. I can't help that it. it's funny stuff. It is. It is humorous, kind of, but. I, well, I just found it funny. I probably shove it underneath the carpet in any, you know, in any conversation with D and D. Yeah, I, met, I imagine there's some guy like you're, you know, you're just going out, you know, telling people about it, trying to encourage it, and some guy's like, "Hey, uh, what about that one book?" And you're just like, "Oh no, here, here they go." This, it, yeah, my luckily I haven't had that interaction, but yeah. you know, hopefully <laughs> but, it never happens. Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, anyways, I just had to mention that for a second. It's you know because I find I find stuff like that humorous. You know that people there's someone out there that just does not Can't have resist, but to make something like that. Yeah, has that little of a social life or whatever you want to say to do that. Well, really, they're probably recognizing that there's a market for it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, don't know. I, I, I imagine it's you know. Uh, one of the, I don't know what to call him, uh, Jeff, somewhere in the uh, in his basement, in the basement somewhere, you know. Yeah, and really, we've, uh, we've yeah, talked anyway, moving moving on from that, uh, the uh, again on the collaborative aspect of it, uh, it really kind of, I think, is a good testament to the, you know. To the current, you know, younger generations, it's a testament to they're not being what so many people have characterized them as, is this shut-in generation that's whose whole lives are spent on devices and are, you know, steadily losing their touch with a social life, you know, a real social life. Yeah, yeah. Uh... That's a, that's one of the good things about it, and um, just another thing I want to mention about it. A thing that I always hear people say about it was like, "Yeah, it's fun, but there's, there's just too much math in it for me." But the math is just so simple; it's not really it's not doing complex algebraic equations. You're doing you're rolling you know, a die that has any number of sides and adding a number. Adding that number five or something. Yes, that's most of what you do. It's not that, yeah, I mean, at the at the very most, if it's, I mean, this would never really happen in my experience, but maybe you'd have to use your phone calculator to add a couple of odd numbers together or something. But that rarely comes up is the thing. Like, how often that would come up is negligible, and especially in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. It's I'd so say like 9 out of, yeah, 9 out of... Uh, 10 
about 90% of the time, I would say it's focusing on the role playing. Yes, and that's my favorite part. Uh, really getting into the role that everyone makes. My favorite part was always the combat. Uh, even with all the math, I just liked doing, uh, you know, doing, I don't know, uh, 10 or 12 necrotic damage on a ghoul or something, you know? Well, last time I, uh, last time we played, you were a cleric, so you were doing mostly uh, radiant damage. Well, I did have one spell that was necrotic damage. Was it Inflict Wounds, I think? Inflict Wound, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Power Gamer, I see. I'm kidding. Oh, it was fun. Very fun. But, uh, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's enough to restore faith in humanity to me because it shows we're not all just going to devolve into things attached to computers that never interact with other people again. Because uh, deep down at our core, we're social cooperative creatures that built a culture and a society and a civilization from telling stories together. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's the final um, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's a great thing. I I really enjoy it. And uh, all you out there, I highly recommend you get into not just D D, but if, if you're not into there's that, a ton uh, out there, and with various levels of you know uh, crunchiness of rules or you know complexity. If you're into more yeah, like math, a, then there's games out there for that. Yeah, and uh, here's how I put it. Um, uh, I mean, here's another example. I mean, if you're into the superhero stuff we've been talking about today, you know, the comics and all that, try out uh, Mutants and Masterminds. Yes. Uh, we played like one session of that, and it can be a little bit, it's a bit numbers heavy sometimes, but, you know, really yeah. fun. And there's a ton of other superhero uh, RPGs. Uh, what about. Uh, and one of my favorite things that we did was uh, Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. If you're into mystery and horror, and uh, especially of the cosmic variety. Oh, and uh, on, the, on the subject of board games, too, uh, what was the name of that? Uh, Betrayal on the House of Haunted Hill. No, it was Betrayal at the House on the Hill, I think. Something like that. You get it. But uh, great game there. Uh, great game. Another horror mystery type thing. But, you know. Yeah. It's really fun. You know, it's one of those board games that you, there's a million rules and all that. But once you figure everything out, it is incredibly fun. And it's a different I mean, thing every so time. Fun. It's a different uh, scenario almost every time you play it. And there's expansions for it now. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Go out. Uh, I'd encourage you guys to do that. Go out, uh, make some new friends, or invite old friends to do it. Have a great time, and uh, you know, use your brain. Uh, Have the most fun you thing. can with your brain. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, anyway. I should plug that a couple things. If you do want to play D and D, but don't you know want to spend fifty or sixty dollars on a book of rules, 
there's rules like a truncated version of them online for free so anyone can play and there's dice roller apps online what is that on the is that on the wizard of the coast website uh yep and they have character sheets on there too yeah uh and another thing i want to go ahead sorry yeah no you go ahead and say it because i got another thing yeah i need to plug in the second thing oh really let me plug two more things in the second thing is uh i need i felt i should segue that that comic recommendation i made earlier uh by kill six billion demons it's by tom parkinson morgan he has also recently released his own rpg called lancer oh yeah looking at it it seems pretty complex but uh really cool really deep lore like i would expect from him and really amazing art like i'd expect from him and then yeah. last thing i think on the subject of before we close out we should mention uh some of our intentions to maybe now and then play our own game of dungeons and dragons yeah we'll do that and then we're going to do my musical rep uh, my music uh recommendation of the week and then we'll close down yeah but uh okay. just to plug that, Go ahead. you know if you're into hearing yeah. actual play of Dungeons and Dragons I think maybe every three or four podcasts or maybe just on a once a month basis uh, we'll do our own game and we'll probably maybe after this uh, together we'll work out the details of that but look forward to that all right, and uh, let's move into the music recommendation. Okay, uh, I'm going to recommend a single and an album, right? Okay. Uh, this week I'm going to focus on proto-punk and uh, garage rock type stuff. So the single I'm going to recommend is, this was kind of a little more obscure, but you could find it on uh, stream websites or YouTube, that kind of thing. Uh, the song, uh, the single and song is called All The Way, and it's by a group called The Squires. Uh, if you're into garage rock, 60s garage rock, uh, it's great. It's really good. It's really a uh, big influence probably on uh, punk rock, heavy metal, that kind of thing. It's uh, not heavy metal. It's in a thrash or something like that necessarily. But, you know, sort of like that 70s uh, Black Sabbath hard rock heavy metal kind of stuff, you know. Uh, some people are going to, you know... Uh, decapitate me for calling it uh you know that hard rock or whatever but uh uh it's the black sabbath i mean but uh and i'm not a metalhead just to explain I, I like some of it but you know uh anyway but uh all the way it's got all the things you like it's got sort of uh that lo-fi uh recording quality of so many of these uh 60s garage bands it's got a catchy little chorus and verse some great guitar work and um uh, some really youthful, uh, strained, emotional vocals, you know? Sounds interesting. Sounds like my kind of music. Yeah. I, I, huh? Sounds like my kind of music. Yeah, you probably like it. Check it out. Uh, All the Way by the Squires. And the album I'm going to recommend is uh, not necessarily in the same vein, but it's by the Stooges, one of my favorite groups. Uh, there are three kinds of people. Uh, three kinds of Stooge fans, Stooges fans. There's ones that prefer their debut album, Stooges. There's ones that prefer their uh, third album, 
Raw Power, and the ones like me who preferred their second album, 1970s, uh, uh, no, no, 1970s is in the decade, but the year, 1970, 1970s Funhouse. Funhouse is fantastic. It's more, to me, in my opinion, it's more Raw Power than Raw Power was. Uh, just listen to the album opener, uh, Down on the Streets, heavy uh, guitar opening, some uh, unique vocals from Iggy Pop. You ever know? Well, not everyone, but you should know what uh, a lot of people know what Iggy Pop sounds like. He's not the best, most talented vocalist. He's no Mariah Carey or anything, but you know, for the type of music it is, it fits. Down on the Streets is the uh, what I recommend you listen to first. Then uh, Loose. Loose is another good example. Uh, and uh, the song uh, 1970. Listen to those three if you're just going to sample it. And I highly recommend you listen to the whole thing. Uh, it's one of the albums I've been watching on vinyl for years, uh, but I just never get around to buying it. Uh, but yeah, classic. It's uh, heavy guitar stuff. Uh, it's just raw, raunchy, uh, dirty. I don't know how to explain it. It's just hard rock, proto-punk stuff. And you'll love it. Raunchy, if you're dirty. Nah, nah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you'll think. You know, it feels like a live show. It feels like you're in a little club in the early 70s listening to music that's pretty hardcore for the time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's my. those are my recommendations for this week. And I think that's uh, it for this week. It's been great talking uh, to you, Ryan, and uh, to you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, yeah. Hopefully, you know. Of course. Hopefully, we didn't ramble on too much. No, uh, we should. Uh, this you should be hearing this episode late Sunday or Monday. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening, and uh, please come back and uh, check out the F two podcast. Uh, Shenanigan Phil, your money back. Uh, you're Ryan Flynn, the first F in the F two podcast. And your and Michael Flynn. Michael, yes, Michael Flynn, the second F in the F two podcast. And uh, we'll catch you later, Buckaroos. Catch you later. <laughs>